I watched some Larry Elder videos. Oh right? no. That he's got no charisma, like whatsoever. Right? I clicked on this video, he's like, Larry Elder destroys woke people talking about racism. And his whole debate is racism does not exist. If you actually look at the numbers, only four percent of people killed by the police are unarmed black people or some shit like that. It's like, okay, any number is bad anyway. <laughs> and two, he'll play clips of him in debates and he'll actually be like heated or whatever. And then when he's reviewing the debates, his eyes don't move. Oh, my God. I don't think conservatives understand that you emote with your eyes, not with your mouth. (laughs) I don't think they understand how any, like, human function works. (laughs) It ties back to the idea that they're saying that masks will psychologically damage kids because you put the mask on, you can't see people emote. It's like, no, you see their eyes. Yeah. Have you never heard smile with your eyes? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Spe- welcome back to Head in the Office. Yeah, speaking of people that are psychologically damaged, <laughs> welcome back to Head in the Office. Um, hope you had a nice week break in between episodes. That's right. But we're back. Woo. We're back. Uh, lots to talk about. But first, if you want the full episode, if you want to watch it all in video, got to become a patron. Hit the Patreon. Got to become a patron. Um, if you if you, uh, if you you just want to watch the clips, that'll be available on YouTube as always. Thanks. And that's about it. Also-, also- Leave a five-star review. What's that? What's that? Don't forget to leave a five-star review one. But also hit up our TikTok. Head in the Office podcast on TikTok. TikTok. Please. It's pretty And also, I'm begging you at this point, please leave a five-star review. Pause the episode right now. Pause it right now. Go and leave a five-star review on Apple. We will, I promise you, if you make it nice, make it something cool. We will read it. We'll read it. We'll read it. And we'll give you a shout-out. Whatever name name you have on on Apple Podcasts, we'll give you a shout-out. Exactly. Please. All right. In this episode, we're going to talk about situation in Afghanistan, the reconciliation bill, um, some updates on climate change we got from the UN, the, uh, the latest update on white supremacy Ooh. from our boy Tucker Carlson, um, and probably the, the greatest summer bop, summer bop of That's all right. time. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'll let you be the judge. All right. But uh, another small update. Cuomo resigned immediately as soon as we finished yeah. <laughs> recording the podcast last Stupid. time, oh which God. is really annoying. Also, the infrastructure bill passed as soon as we finished uh, recording the pod as well, which is a good thing. Both mm-hmm. of those are good things. But um, that's why we were talking as if Just neither of those things had happened. For us as creators, you know? Yeah. You know, you know, we'd be a little just like a little bit late to the news. Exactly. Right after right after we say, mm, I don't really think he's going to resign. Bro does it. Yeah. Bro you know we'd be summarizing news right after everyone gets Facts. to it. I think he was waiting for us to record. <clears throat> Facts. Yeah, we have that much influence. He didn't want us to talk about it on the pod. Yeah, we big, still got a clip in there, though. Big, big influencers. Our, our 600 right. followers on TikTok. Shout out to you guys. That's right. That's right. All right. Starting off the episode with some talk of what's going on in Afghanistan. Probably the biggest news story that's happened over the past week or so. Yeah, even though it'll probably be out of the news cycle by next week. You know yeah. how that shit goes. Yeah. Um, around several weeks ago, we talked about how Biden was planning to withdraw from Afghanistan. I believe it was the first episode of Head in the Office, actually. Um, oh, yeah. The situation has heated up immensely since then. Uh, so as troops have continued to withdraw from the region, the Taliban has moved into and oc- occupied several cities throughout Afghanistan, even forcing the president of Afghanistan to evacuate um, and I think most recently, as of today or over the weekend, they made their way into um, Kabul as well. So oh, they basically yeah. have control of the entire nation right now, um, which to me proves that the last 20 years have just been a waste of time. Absolutely. Just waste worse. of time and money. It was nice. It was nice getting bin Laden. But yeah, other yeah. than that, everything has just been a, fa- a failure. Yeah. I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that more later, diving into the history of the region. But this shit is just a immense foreign policy failure yeah one of the main goals of the united states was to 
engage in regime change. That's what yeah. we wanted to do. Um, and we wanted to arm the what is now the current Afghan government. Well, maybe not for long, mm-hmm. but what was or is the current Afghan government with the ability to ward off groups like the Taliban. Yeah. Um, and since we've retreated or we are in the process of retreating, um, I mean, the Taliban took over the country in like a few days. Yeah. <laughs> so like that policy, yeah. that policy plan obviously did not pan out. And we had 20 years to execute it. It's about to be Clearly right back to where it was in 2001 before 9-11 when uh, the Taliban held almost all of Afghanistan except a small northern region. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, an unequivocal failure on yeah. our part. Oh, like, yeah. like Gage said, getting uh, bin Laden was a good thing. But everything else has really just been a big waste of time. Over a trillion dollars have been spent. Yes. Thousands of American troops have died. Um, really a waste of time. Big waste of time. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's tragic. And getting bin Laden could have done with other intelligence. There didn't need to be a full-scale invasion. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like, it's just, it's such a complicated and nuanced scenario. It is kind of hard to talk about it. Yeah. But still, that just, it doesn't get in the way of the fact that we failed. Yeah, the region is pretty rich when it comes to history and the nuance that you have to have when you talk mm-hmm. about it. But if we look at it solely through the lens of what's happening today, and mind you, this isn't all Biden's fault. Like he came in when this had this has been a problem for the last twenty years, oh, and yeah. even before that. Well, the fault of Biden's presidency because dude was in the White House for eight years. Yeah, yeah, Obama, okay, yeah. yeah. To be fair, Biden was has been around for a very long time. <laughs> he was around when this was a problem. He was around when this was a problem. He doesn't necessarily stop it though. Mm-hmm. But to be fair. It is not entirely his fault. This issue has been perpetuated by several administrations at this point over the last yeah. two decades. Um, but if we look at it solely through the lens of what's happening today, this is a failure from uh, the American standpoint. Like our oh, foreign policy has failed. 100%. And not only is like, it seems like we're barely recognizing it as a failure because we still have yet to grant visas to all the Afghan translators. And I know we're not going to grant visas right. to the regular citizens or anyone who wants to leave as a refugee. Yeah. yeah. Like, a, we're not going to do any of that. A, a lot of the conservative talking points I've seen in response to Biden withdrawing troops and the mess that it's created. <laughs> what about women's rights? Right. Is that w- they're talking about like, what about women's rights? Or you don't care about the Afghan people. Surprise, surprise. Conservatives don't either. Exactly. They're just using this as a chance to hit Biden. If they really cared about the Afghan people, they would start advocating for things like free visas. And so any Afghan people that are fleeing can come to the country for free. And surprise, surprise, we didn't care about the Afghan people when we got involved anyway. We only got involved as an after effect of 9-11. Yeah. Like, we, we didn't care what was going on. Oh, and we'd been stirring the pot in the region exactly. for decades before we that. We did not care that the Mujahideen was filled with Islamist fundamentalists. In fact, we supported the Mujahideen. <laughs> we knew. <laughs> we knew that when exactly. we were supporting them. More on that later, though. Um, one takeaway that I have from this is that I think it speaks to the fact that the U.S. has been losing power to impact world events generally over the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Um, as you can see, this is not like the result that the U.S. wanted. We can see through all of our foreign policy, through all communications oh, yeah. that we've had, this is not what the U.S. intended to happen. So I think that this is evidence that the U.S. power is just continuing, uh, continuing to diminish um, and that diplomatic measures are going to be what we have to rely on if we want to get anything done. Like violence is not going to exactly. be the answer. And we haven't been able to solve anything with violence since probably our disastrous peak, which was bombing Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah. The Korean War was a failure. Vietnam, Vietnam was, was a failure. failure yeah. And this was a failure. Like, what are we doing? All of our actions in Cuba have been a failure for the most part. Oh, my part. God. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't really know what it's what our foreign policy, at least in terms of the Middle East, is going to look like moving forward. But I can tell you that our power is diminished vastly um, since Mm. since our conception as a country yeah 
things have gone downhill. Um, and like I said, situation has been bad for a long time. It's not all Biden's fault, although his administration with Obama had, had contributed pretty <laughs> had bad. A lot to do with it. Contributed quite a lot to the it's, issue that we have now. It's the idea that I've seen a lot of conservatives put pressure on Biden as if like the Taliban takeover is his fault. Also, as if Trump wasn't advocating to get out of the region too. Yeah. Trump wanted to pull out. He never did. Like this was just continuing of Trump's policy, basically. Yeah, kind of. I mean, Trump always said that he wanted to pull out, but then he never really did. And yeah. he never really tried to that hard. Oh, no, not at all. But, I mean, so it's hard to tell when it comes to Trump if he was just lying for the political clout or if mm-hmm. he actually wanted to get out and just didn't for whatever reason. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if we take what Trump said at face value, which you usually never should, but if we do, um, then, yeah, I mean, it's just another continuation of a policy that maybe would have happened if Trump was in office anyway. Exactly. It still would have had the same outcome. Yeah, but the difference is is that people like Gage and I would have remained consistent on this issue, but liberals and conservatives would have just flipped in their rhetoric. Yeah, That's all that would have happened. Conservatives would have been praising Trump for this decision. Liberals would have been saying the same thing that conservatives are right now. Mm -hmm. They don't actually have any ideological consistency. They don't fucking care. They don't. Exactly. They they only care about praising their people. Most most Americans, considering that, what is it, 80% of the electorate votes on party lines? Yeah. And that's just out of like the what, 66% of people that vote. Yeah. Party's definitely the biggest indicator of how someone's going to vote every single time. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. Um, I I would take this all, if you are somebody that doesn't know a a ton about uh, the history in the Middle East, I would just take this as a lesson, not why we should have stayed, but why we should have never gotten involved to begin with. Yes. Because us getting involved has been disastrous for ourselves. We've lost Mm -hmm. people. Our troops have died to it. We've spent trillions of dollars over there and it's also been disastrous for the region in general and for the people that live there yeah. and all the innocent bystanders that have lived in afghanistan i think it's five thousand combined u.s and u.n soldiers have died in afghanistan whereas five hundred thousand afghan civilians and like fighters have also died yeah it's incredibly disproportionate but also it's important to remember that not getting involved in the region doesn't mean not going after osama Oh, yeah. We could have done that through like a myriad of other ways. We did not need necessarily a ground invasion. And when I say uh, this is a lesson to not get involved in future countries, business uh, in the future, that doesn't mean necessarily that I don't want us to have any kind of foreign policy. It's just that we should use our diplomatic levers of power rather than sending our military in to just kill people. Yes. Because like that's never going to actually resolve the issue. In in most cases, it's never going to actually solve the issue. Mm Mm-hmm. And got to be diplomatic. Just to further that point, <laughs> let's dive into the history of Afghanistan for a little bit. Here we go. So we've been there for 20 years now with the goal of building up the Afghan forces, and the Taliban seized the country in basically a week. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, wh- what did we do? But- in, like a, in like a business week. Exactly. <laughs> like it took like yeah, five In days. a couple business days. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they could have really. taken the weekend off and still done it. But when we look at the history of the region, we see that global powers have been trying and failing to occupy Afghanistan for literally centuries. It's yeah. nicknamed the Graveyard of Empires, right? Let's examine why. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Let's examine why. <laughs> Starting in 1830 in the first Anglo-Afghan War, the British invaded Afghanistan because they wanted to protect British India from the Russians. It's always the fucking Russians for yep, some reason. Yep. This particular invasion started because the Afghan ruler was getting a little bit too buddy-buddy with Russia. The war ended with almost complete and total destruction of the invading British forces with only one soldier surviving <sighs> to tell the tale. One guy? Yeah. The one who got away. I yeah. bet he's got some survivor yeah. guilt. Or Literally did. one guy survived to get back to British territory and tell him what wow. happened. Wow. They completely massacred the British army, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that ended the first Anglo-Afghan war. 
The second Anglo-Afghan War started again in 1875 when, again, Russian influence was growing in Afghanistan, and thus the British started another war. The Russians, again, 40 years later. The first phase of the war ended with the Treaty of Gandamak. I'm probably butchering that name, right? And so in the treaty specifically, areas of Afghanistan were given to the British as well as jurisdiction over certain passes and valleys. Also, Afghan foreign relations were to be completely controlled by the British Empire. Oh, that sounds pretty uh, liberating for the Afghan people. Oh, yes. (laughs) So now, after that first treaty, Afghanistan and the people of Afghanistan, their diplomats, couldn't control any of their foreign policy decisions, right? Even though they wanted to, like, be friends with Russia. They wanted to do all that. Now Britain took over. So, as a result of that... We see that a like a faction of the military broke off, right? They were dissatisfied with the treaty. Why wouldn't there be? They're no longer a sovereign country, basically. They're yeah. just another British colony. So they broke off and they slaughtered the British forces in Kabul. Round two. Round two. That's they round two, absolutely baby. Absolutely massacred Jesus. the British forces in Kabul again. And so that sparked the second phase of the war, which ended swiftly. Again, it only lasted a year as the British quickly regained control of Kabul and a new Afghan leader was instilled. That's how that war ended, right? Second Anglo-Afghan okay. War. And then we have 40 years of Afghanistan under British foreign policy rule, right? They're yeah. just dictating whatever the country does. And foreign policy is very important, especially back then in the age of empires, right? So then the third Anglo-Afghan War starts right after World War One. But during World War One, the Afghan people were growing very dissatisfied with their British, specifically the control of the foreign policy as per the Treaty of Gandamak. The dissatisfaction culminated in the assassination of the Afghan ruler by the people. The next ruler then declared independence from the British, launching the Third Anglo-Afghan War in 1919, right after World War One completed and the British troops were just demoralized yeah, and decimated. feeling very defeated after the First World War. And so the war only lasted a few months with the Afghans' newfound foreign policy freedom. They aligned themselves with the new Soviet government because this is um, two years after the October Revolution. Yeah. Okay. And Lenin and their party, the Bolsheviks, just took over. So then the Afghan war, fast forward to 1978, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the Afghan war, the modern day Afghan war. This is where it started. There was a coup that overthrew the centrist government of Afghanistan and implemented a new Marxist-Leninist government. I'm sure the tankies love that. Naturally, that Marxist-Leninist government grew very close to the Soviet Union. This government had virtually no support from the people and was ruthless to the political dissenters and launched reforms the population hated. In response to these conditions, the Mujahideen was formed to fight back. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The Russians then invaded Afghanistan to try to quell the freedom fighters. However, they wanted to leave the responsibility of dealing with the Mujahideen to the Afghan army, an Afghan that saw mass desertions and was largely ineffective. Ring a bell? Yeah. <laughs> ring, yeah. Ring a bell? Yeah. Anyways, the United States saw an opportunity here. In foreign policy actions that boiled down to the enemy of the my enemy is my friend, the United States shipped weapons and money to the Mujahideen and funneled them through Pakistan. Hmm, I wonder why Pakistan then became a haven for these same terrorist groups later on in the war with the United States. Oh, and we hated that. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder why they harbored these people. One notable person on the U.S. payroll was Mr. 9-11 himself, Osama bin Laden. (laughs) Mr. 9-11. Mr. 9-11 himself, Osama bin Laden. Keep that in mind. We knew the Mujahideen was filled with religious fundamentalists. It was basically all religious fundamentalists, right? And we also knew that the Mujahideen as a whole wasn't operating like a traditional organized military. They were a bunch of splintered factions trying to like with a common goal. 
They all operated different sects, the Al-Qaeda, the the other branches that I can't pronounce because they're not as quote-unquote popular. Yeah. They're doing their own thing with the common goal of, I guess, liberating the Afghan people and then coming together in an Islamic state, right? So that's going on. We didn't care about any of that. So later on when the Soviets withdrew its troops in 1989 – oh, no, just later on the Soviets did withdraw its troops in 1989. Then in 1992, the communist government was overthrown, and there was a power-sharing agreement between the various factions between the Mujahideen. Spoiler alert, it did not go well at all, nah. and the countryside devolved into a battleground, a battleground that would just be going on until 2001 when the Taliban began to take control. And mm. I think we all know what happened in 2001, right? Very specific date. So then the United States gets involved as retaliation for 9-11 and thinks they can do what every other empire has failed to do that got involved within the region. The Russians couldn't do it. The it's fucking, American exceptionalism, maybe. Exactly. The British couldn't do it at like the height of their, uh, I guess not the height of their power, but they were still a fucking powerhouse, right? Yeah. The British couldn't do it, and we thought that we could. Surprise, surprise, we didn't. <laughs> we literally <laughs> didn't. Fast forward to now, today, right now. It's basically back to where it was in 2001, before yeah. 9-11, before we got involved. The Taliban are just running over everything. It's almost as if a major power in the world squeezing a nation for all of its resources and political power results in just chaos. Exactly. Almost as if that happens every single time. Oh it's almost God, as if we can't learn from the past. It's almost as if we shouldn't just engage in nation building. Yeah. And we should just worry about our own people. You know. And I, I want to point out that a lot of the... U.S. foreign policy during the 70s, 80s, and 90s was for the express purpose of bankrupting the Soviet Union. Oh, my God. And people have said this. Hillary Clinton said this, that the point of funding the Mujahideen, which eventually became, well, part of it became Al-Qaeda, the point of doing that was to bankrupt the Soviet Union, and it backfired on us in like a matter of decades. 100%. All of our our fetishization with anti-communism and anti-communist measures always backfired on us. Yeah. Vietnam backfired on us. This backfired on us. What what worked? Nothing. Like, domino theory was proven wrong within Vietnam. This was also right after Vietnam is mm-hmm. when all this started. We started funding these freedom fighters. Like, come on. Come on. Yeah, and there's so much rhetoric, especially in like uh, the empires of the world, like the United States and I guess the UK back then, but even still, mm-hmm. that we need to like protect the sovereignty of our own nations. But then we just violate other yeah. sovereign nations all the time. And I get getting involved when there's uh, violations of human rights. I think we have to do that to some extent. Mm -hmm. But the answer is never going to be funding extremist groups that then attack us and then using that as justification to destabilize the entire region for the next two decades, wasting American taxpayer dollars. It's like, and this isn't the first time we've implemented a theocracy instead of communism. Yeah. Like (laughs) that we've sponsored coups to get rid of communism in favor of theocracy. We did it again in Iran in the 60s. Yeah. So we've done it. We've done it many, many times. Yeah, multiple times specifically in the Middle East. But Talk about the death squads in Nigeria. Yeah, the contrast. Almost every single component of our intervention within Afghanistan has been a repetition of history's failure. Mm -hmm. It's... Stay out of the fucking region from now on. Hopefully, moving forward, we probably won't, but hopefully (laughs) the powers of the world can learn to just leave them alone. Yes. Get involved when we want to protect the Afghan people from atrocities that whatever governing power may be Mm -hmm. committing. But we don't need to send a bunch of troops in just to sit there for 20 years and do yes, absolutely guard nothing. Guard some poppy fields. Right, exactly. My freedom's not over there, dog. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, this is all besides the fact that our intervention in the Middle East in general is often just to turn the cogs within the military-industrial machine. Yeah. And just 
oh, yeah. line people's pockets. Yeah, and I we you said this before we started recording the pod, but um, well now I forgot what I was gonna say. I forgot. You what said something I said before too. we recorded the Crazy. pod. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. <how laughs> I works. can't remember. You got me sidetracked to thinking about the other stuff. <laughs> we'll anyway, uh, we're professionals. Forget that I said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah. I, our entire foreign policy has just been an absolute mess in Afghanistan. And I don't really know what we're going to do moving forward. I guess it's going to be interesting. It's the first time in 20 years, first time in our lifetime oh, um, news, that we haven't been involved. The news surrounding this will be very interesting, especially yeah. considering the liberal media versus the conservative media and independent media mm-hmm. like Steven Crowder, like all those people. I'm interested to see their takes on it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I can already predict what the conservative talking points are going to be. It's going to be the same thing like we said earlier with them saying Mm -hmm. that like Biden pulling out the troops is disastrous and it's going to hurt the Afghan people. And what about women's rights when they don't actually care about any of that? Oh, God, no. Liberals are just going to defend him as they (laughs) always do. I mean, I can't really expect much out of them. Um, But for the most part, oh, this is what you said earlier, is that for the most part, the American populace understands that our involvement in Afghanistan has been just bad. Like it hasn't actually done anything. As just a complete and total failure. Yeah. I haven't seen many people come out in support of staying in the region. Yeah. I mean, except, you know, except, yeah. <laughs> classic right-wingers. Exactly. But, wanted to just stay and support fascism rather than communism. Yeah, classic. You know, you know, we love a good old theocracy, probably because they want a uh, Christian theocracy here. Oh, you know? It's just a mirror image. It's, it's just exactly, a mirror image. It's the same reason why the evangelical base supports um, Israel so much. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. They love it as a model. That's a good point, yeah. Anyway, this story will probably evolve over the next several years. Um, And you know what? Mm. We'll keep an eye on it. Exactly. Head in the office. At the very least, we should have just got out in 2014. Yeah. We should have just got out after we killed bin Laden. We should (laughs) have. Yes, yes. I I don't understand. (laughs) That's, That's what we were primarily there for to do anyway there's really nothing that justifies our involvement there for so long yeah no not nothing at all, at all. Not, especially not for 20 years my whole life and especially the intensity of our involvement mm-hmm. like just in the ultra violent casualties. all the time yeah it's, is afghanistan um the region where we had private contractors go in like blackwater and stuff or is that somewhere else i think we had them just everywhere yeah that would make sense and they would just like kill sure people we had them everywhere they would just yeah. kill like innocent people all the time <laughs> anyway oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> the u.s war machine is not something that you should be fond of and you should right. be upset that your taxpayer dollars are going towards this kind of thing you're exactly. just never going to see them again exactly. this over health care right keep that in mind right this uh, the cost of uh, the Afghanistan or our involvement in Afghanistan has literally been one reconciliation package. Thanks. So <laughs> I hope you can think about that. Speaking of reconciliation, Ooh, um, speaking segues. of infrastructure in general, uh, last Tuesday, like I said, as soon as we finished recording, the Senate passed the one point two trillion dollar infrastructure bill by a vote of sixty nine to thirty. Crazy. Kind of surprising, Which meaning 19 Republicans crazy. voted with the bill. It's all traditional infrastructure, though, isn't it? Yeah, like, roads, bridges, no, like, water, that yeah. kind of thing. And I um, think still certain roads, bridges, and like water functions were cut out of the bill, too. Yeah. It's only $550 billion of new spending, mm-hmm. so it's not as if it is actually a full $1.2 trillion package, yeah. but there is a lot of good stuff in there, and hopefully, I'm praying that mm-hmm. it paves the way for the much larger reconciliation package to mm-hmm. come in. Um, Mm. and just tie everything up in a nice little knot. Um, But speaking of that, shortly after uh, they passed the infrastructure bill, the 1.21, the Senate spent 14 hours considering amendments to the budget resolution, which is the process that has to happen before they can consider a reconciliation package. And that passed on a 50 to 49 party line vote. 
um, early last Wednesday, like very early in the yeah. wee hours of the morning. I don't know what Republican wasn't there, but it was 50 Democrats versus 49 Republicans. Naturally. That would have happened anyway. Vice President Harris would have come in and broke the tie. Yeah. Anyways, um, there were a couple notable amendments that I thought that we should talk about okay. and give our thoughts on. Um, the first one was a 50 to 49 adoption of an amendment to not teach critical race theory in schools from Senator Tom Cotton. Um, and that passed Wait, because what? Joe Manchin broke with the Democratic Party and voted to pass this amendment. So it's a part oh, of the package. Oh, so it was 50-49 conservative. Yeah, with Joe Manchin on top. Oh, my right, not God. Party line, not party line. This fucking dude. <laughs> Yeah, it's I I don't know <laughs> what Tom Cotton's justification was. I don't know specifically what he said when he was trying to get this passed, like when he went on the floor to speak. But Joe Manchin voted in line with the Republican Party to put a an amendment that says you can't teach critical race theory. Okay, Joe, please define <laughs> what critical race theory is. Dude, you said 5049 in the show notes, right? And yes, I was confused. Yes. I'm like, why did it pass? I assume everyone of course it's fucking Joe. Dude. Yeah, 50-49 the other way. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I knew we'd get a kick out of that one. I, I don't. So it wouldn't have passed. Oh, no, it would have. It would have been 41-50. Or no, 51-49 if the Republican senator was there. Never mind. But, dude, no, th define CRT, please. I don't understand what the point of passing this amendment was because we know that conservatives use the fear around critical race theory just yes. to rile up the base. It's all virtue signaling. It's all a part of the culture mm -hmm. war. Does Joe Manchin not know that? Or is he just trying to like appeal to his Republican voters I in West Virginia? I would fucking be surprised like, either way, but... I don't get it. <laughs> like, why would you do this? No, no, literally. This is a reconciliation like... package, dogs. Talk about things that don't belong in infrastructure. Facts. It's the, CRT. The parliamentarian loved to step in when talking about, um, yeah. God, what was $15 it? $15 wage. $15 minimum wage, how you can't vote for that in infrastructure. But CRT, you can ban that in an infrastructure bill? Yeah, parliamentarian also said that um, like things like Medicare... In, uh, more funding for education, all the stuff that's good, yeah. wouldn't belong in a regular infrastructure package. Oh, but critical race theory does. And all Republicans also said that kind of thing, but critical race theory? <laughs> and also, Parliamentarian had lots of issues with the reconciliation process and uh -huh. what we were going to include in that. $15 wage thing was yes. a part of that. Um, why aren't they speaking out about it now? Facts. Why aren't they saying nothing? That's a stupid fucking job anyway. Stupid amendment. Maybe there's some like Senate processes that we don't know about that the Parliamentarian, parliamentarian doesn't step in during a, the amendment process, I don't know, but either way, it's dumb. It's no, it's like also when you pass laws, things have to be very defined. They have to be defined yeah. to a very meticulous level. What does this mean? I don't know. Is this going to mean like what we've seen in Texas, where they've then made it so that the teachings of Martin Luther King, Susan B. Anthony, and Cesar Chavez are no longer required in school, and they basically count as critical race theory? Yeah, and that you also don't have don't to know. teach that the KKK is bad anymore. Yeah. Like, what are the implications? This is, oh my fucking God. I didn't even know about this. Yeah, <laughs> this is news I, to me. I really <laughs> do not understand where this came from. And even if we're being charitable to Tom Cotton, which usually don't need to be, but even yeah. if you are, um, there may be some language in the amendment and now that will be in the bill that may specify what exactly he's looking for. But even then, I can't see why you would ever, like, want this in, like, if you're a rational person. And you know what I mean? Infrastructure bill, like yeah, what? 
I don't know. Whatever. The, um, there's just the, there is justification <laughs> for having things like Medicare for all or a fifteen dollar way and minimum wage and an infrastructure bill because yeah. those things then can grow the economy or it's investing in human infrastructure, things like that, non traditional infrastructure. This has absolutely nothing to do with anything. No, it's virtue signaling. That's all it is. And a lot of these Republican amendments were. I mean, because the amendment process is just built so the minority party, or I mean, I guess really anyone, but mostly so the yeah. minority party can uh, get stuff they want into the packages. Um, and, you know, this is one of them, I guess. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next one, there was a set of amendments that were trying to undermine the ability for immigration reform to be passed mm-hmm. in the reconciliation package. Most of them did not pass. Um, except one okay. that requires a negative COVID test in order to come into the country, which is really weird. That because it was it was one made by a Republican. I can't remember yeah. who, but Republicans do not support having to get a COVID test when you go into a store or a workplace. They don't support uh, mandated vaccines or anything like that. But they want to force immigrants to get it. Like I don't understand. No, but also, are you works. gonna vote to fund the necessary infrastructure to set up these testing locations? To test all the people that are coming through, or is it just going to be a situation where this is on the books and we're just going to turn them around because of um, a cough, a headache, or yeah. are we gonna are we gonna measure their temperatures with the forehead thing, even though they've been crossing in the desert heat and their body temperatures are going to be raised anyway, yeah. and using that as an excuse to turn them around? You know, I didn't think about that aspect. I figured it was going along with the rhetoric that we talked about last week yeah. with Ron DeSantis just saying that, like, immigrants are the ones spreading COVID. It's not Americans doing it. Yeah, when Florida, clearly that's not true. The non-border state, which but now, now has one in five <laughs> new COVID cases. Yeah, but now that you mention it, it does make a lot more sense. Maybe they're going to use this as justification to turn more immigrants away. Um, and I guess depending on who's handling the testing at yeah. these locations on the border, um, we could see how that pans out. But that one was adopted. Like, it'll be a part <laughs> of the reconciliation package. That's not infrastructure. <laughs> I don't know. I guess you could make more of an argument for the COVID testing rather than, than CRT. CRT. Yeah, 100%. But, but like, like, it's it's more virtue signaling because they hate non-white people. That's all it is. Um, the next one surprised me it was a unanimous adoption of an amendment to oppose defunding the police yeah, from tommy didn't tuberville sh- didn't that shit get like 98 one or something no i think it was unanimous i think oh everyone voted to adopt it. what i saw a little bit about this doesn't it strict funding from municipalities that decide to um like Defund lower funding for their po- yeah have they defined what defunding the police is i like- don't i don't know because some well, I know uh, Cory Booker got up and was like enthusiastic about it. Like he was very happy that a Republican put this up for the amendment procedure, and he was like, "We should all very enthusiastically vote yes on this." And I don't really why? know why. I think he may have been like mocking Tommy Tuberville because he's like, "We don't want to do that anyway," you know? Like, yeah. Democrats are like, we're, oh, not, "We're not defunding the police yes, regardless." No, I did see that. I'm pretty sure like his performance was satire. Yeah, and I, but I think it's just because he's saying like. We're not going to do that anyway. You got That's, nothing to worry about, Doc. Wait a minute. Like, so Bernie also voted to pass this, do that? He might have. I don't. I don't know That's specifically. The article that I read said unanimous, and that may be because because this also happened with the Green New Deal amendment thing. Yeah. Um. One senator said something along the lines of, uh, the amendment or the amendment they were proposing said something along the lines of, we're not going to ship any jobs overseas pursuant to the Green New Deal, and mm. Bernie voted yes on that because he's like, the Green New Deal doesn't do that, so your amendment doesn't. That makes Make sense. a difference. Yeah. I'd be interested to see like the details, but also, I mean, it, it, I don't idolize politicians. Yeah, exactly. Like I could understand if he did, and it's like, oh well, fuck that, you know. Yeah, it's just another uh, 
Another virtue signal in my book. Oh, 100%. Um, and then the last one. This, although and, this virtue oh. signal, sorry to cut you, this virtue good, signal does have a little bit more of a consequence. It matters. You know what I mean? It matters. It, it matters more, especially considering like how long this may stay in the law, yeah. too, because police around the country are not being defunded. Right. And I would say that the this virtue signal wouldn't matter if all of the Democrats didn't hop on top of it. Oh, because yeah. they all agreed, or at least most of them agreed. I don't know if it was unanimous or not, but like mm-hmm. like I said, the article said unanimous that I was looking at. But even if it wasn't, even if it was just a majority, mm-hmm. that shows you that Democrats don't really care that much about defunding the police exactly. in the Senate, which is also kind of telling to a lot of activist groups that worked very hard which over it, the last two summers. Be. And it's just, it doesn't do anything for them politically to like lie. They're still going to be like attacked saying that they're for defunding the police no matter how they vote right and i was thinking maybe they used this as an opportunity to contrast themselves with the conservative messaging around democrats specifically because Mm -hmm. we've seen in polls that uh the messaging around democrats saying that they want to defund the police they want to make your communities less safe more hazardous it does work that scares people into voting for republicans so maybe they use this as an opportunity to step away from that um but i don't think it's going to matter because they're going to say that they want to anyways Facts. Like in all of these Senate races, everyone who's up in 2022, they're all going to say that this Democrat oh, wants to defund the police. They're and a socialist, socialist and they want to. De- yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. They're going to say that every time. The last one, um, which is another which is one of the amendments that I would say you have reason to be mad about. Okay. Was a 40 to 59 vote. Joe Manchin's on a shit again voting mm. with Republicans. He voted to uphold the Hyde Amendment. Which, if you don't know, is a longstanding ban on federal money going towards abortions oh, unless on. the woman's life is at risk. That is what the Hyde Amendment is. Um, and Republicans, basically, their amendment was like, um, you're not going to do anything in this reconciliation bill that would go against the Hyde Amendment. And they and 50-49, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, that guy. Wow. Gotta I, love him. Honestly, I don't know if any federal money was going to go towards abortions anyway. Like, I don't know if that was going to yeah. be in the package. But the fact that Joe Manchin's like, yeah, I support that is just like, <laughs> dog. You got to stop. You're just ruining everything. No, literally. <laughs> He's literally, <laughs> He's ruining, literally everything. ruining everything in this administration. And I know that um, abortion is probably the biggest issue among the conservative base. Yeah. So abortion I under- and guns. Right. Yeah. Abortion, guns, um, right now CRT. Socialism. Socialism. <laughs> but abortion's pretty high up there. A lot of voters are one-issue voters for abortion. So mm-hmm. like- I can only guess that he's, again, placing electoral politics above his job and making sure he can get elected in West Virginia by doing things like making it so no federal money goes towards abortions, which is just like, come on. Thanks. Giving more federal money towards things like Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics lowers abortion rates Mm -hmm. because Because it gives more resources to women. And not only, like, people don't understand. Organizations like Planned Parenthood don't only just do abortions. Yeah. They also give out free contraceptive. Mm -hmm. They have, like, courses they do things to help the community like it's not just abortions yeah and all of those things lower abortion rates yes <laughs> like, free contraceptive would lower abortion rates a lot 15 dollar minimum wage would also lower abortion rates yeah but I don't taking, think hear about taking that. money away from abortions only makes them more dangerous for low-income people yes because rich people are always going to get them mm-hmm. and it also increases the rate at which abortions are had usually because these organizations that help women get abortions also do a hell of a lot of other things and they can't do those now yeah which means that people are going to get more abortions if they don't have more options exposed to them like it's dumb it's dumb <sighs> it's the culture war oh my god it's religion what? interfering with our politics what, what happened to conservatives being like 
no, 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 don't like do these things. Just just boycott something. Don't legislate it. We don't need to write a law banning yeah. something or defunding things. Just like boycott them. Just yeah. boycott Planned Parenthood. Talk about big government. For, for real, Talk bro. Talk about really big government. Talk about the government policing women's bodies. Oh, my goodness. Um. Anyways, although the resolution's been passed, the budget resolution has, um, senators still have to translate it into a bill, and they have oh to keep God. the entire party together. And Isn't not there? only do they have to keep the senators together, but they have to make sure the House doesn't fall apart at the same time. Yes. Isn't there something like 300 amendments like within the bill, too? That was uh, There's 300 amendments for the infrastructure bill that was like considered. I don't know if they all got put in, okay, okay. Um, but it was like 14 hours of, of these kind of amendments that went like into like 2 a.m. on Wednesday, last Wednesday. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah, lot, lots and lots of fun. Uh, in response to this, Republicans have threatened to not help raise the debt ceiling, which isn't something that I was really familiar with until looking into it. Yeah. But the debt ceiling is something that is routinely raised in the U.S. Mm-hmm. because if it's not raised, the U.S. defaults on their loans and, you know, we owe a lot of money to other countries. Wonderful. Which would crash the global economy. Yeah. Like destroy everything. The U.S. cannot default on their loans. Well, U.S. Fuck. currency <laughs> is the most important one in the world right now. I mean, oh, it's yeah. in circulation in most places. Most countries, like, use U.S. currency. It's just, oh, that's that's insane. Yeah, so they're basically saying that if you, if you pass this bill without us, then we're not going to raise the debt ceiling. Which, technically, you could raise the debt ceiling in the reconciliation package. Uh-huh. And if you don't, then you're going to have to go through normal order, filibuster. Yeah. So I don't know why they don't just do it in the reconciliation package. They won't, but I don't know why they're not. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, though. Like, this could be really bad. And I don't know. I It's hard to see a world where Republicans intentionally crash the world economy. But at this rate, <laughs> like, <laughs> at this Stop rate, it. nothing. Can blame it on Joe Biden. They will also, literally do anything. Just uh, refresh my memory or no, explain to the listeners, not me, what the debt ceiling is. The debt ceiling is basically just the limit at which the United States can borrow money. And if we don't raise that number, then we default on our loans, which oh. means that like a lot of bad shit will happen. I don't know the full extent of what's going to happen, but you know, you'd have to ask an economist to get all mm-hmm. the nitty gritties mm-hmm. on it. But I know that it's bad and that it's been raised every single time at every single throw every single year at every single administration, even during the Trump administration, during Obama, yeah. when things were partisan. But if they don't do it now... <laughs> Especially during COVID, when the <laughs> economies around the world are just getting to recover, some when still have the haven't. working class is just struggling. Yeah, <laughs> we really are just struggling. Um, so yeah, I, I I really hope Republicans don't go through on this threat. But at this point, wow, wouldn't be surprised. Don't you love it when the people that can survive a global economic collapse just collectively hold a gun <laughs> to the working class yeah. to get their their racist agenda or whatever agenda through? Yeah. Like, Wow. Gotta love it. Love the state of politics right now. Um, And the last thing I have to say on the reconciliation package specifically is that it looks like in the House and in the Senate, some Democrats are looking like they're going to peel off from it. I'm not surprised Um, at all. And if you remember, Nancy Pelosi in the House said that the House isn't going to take up either package until both Mm -hmm. of them pass the Senate in its entirety. So if we don't ever get a reconciliation package through, we're never going to get the infrastructure deal and we get nothing. Manchin recently said, to make you even more mad at him, Okay. his quote was, I firmly believe that continuing to spend at irresponsible levels puts at risk our nation's ability to respond to unforeseen crises our country could face. Like COVID? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Like COVID that we're really just not responding to <laughs> like super 20, well Like 20,000 anyway. people dying each year because they don't have access yeah. to healthcare? No, no. This dude, he pretty much said, I wouldn't be surprised if he argued the same thing during, what is it, stimulus checks. Like yeah. he basically said, no, 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 guys, we can't worry about this current economic disaster. We have mm-hmm. to think about the next one so that we're ready for that. 
and we're ready to push that one off to deal with the next next one too. Yeah, there's been lots of talk recently about inflation and how like inflation is going to destroy the economy. Yes. Inflation is usually pretty normal, and a lot of economists are saying that the inflation that we're seeing right now isn't really that bad, and it's probably going to go away within a year. Yeah, it's a supply chain disruptions. Right, exactly. And Manchin is saying. Well, he said later on in that because it was like a very big tweet, basically mm-hmm. like a prose paragraph. <laughs> and dude was saying that uh, our economy's like close to overheating. And I want to know what economist told him this. What policy advisors telling Thanks. him that our economy is close to overheating? Because it's not going to. No, no it's no, no, not no. going to. It's just more rhetoric to keep us from doing good progressive things that are actually going to help people. Yeah, but also speaking of supply chain measures, quick side note, like COVID update. Vietnam is experiencing massive lockdowns like Hanoi is completely locked down now. Lockdowns are are more widespread and more strict now because Vietnam is getting shit on by COVID. Why that's important? Since Trump instituted the trade wars with China, a lot of manufacturing, a lot of the last steps or last step in manufacturing has been moved to Vietnam in order to curve the tariffs from importing things from China. So a lot of our supply chains, it's why you've been seeing made in Vietnam on more and more products lately. A lot of our supply chains end in Vietnam. With lockdowns happening there, we're going to see inflation continue to rise. Yeah, it's just another example of things that a lot of progressive talked about early on in the pandemic is that if you want to fix the economy, you have to fix the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to do both of those at the same time, we're not going to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, you have people like sending their children to school even though they know that they're COVID positive. Oh, my God. And you have conservatives just not caring for the lives of other people. You have Matt Walsh. It's ridiculous. Matt Walsh going, lying. going to his local... Yeah, straight up lying, one. And also going to his local school board when... Keep in mind, he homeschools his kids. His poor fucking kids. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, They're going to his so school broken. board and saying that masks are evil and, you know, all the shit like that. Like, yeah, he went to a school board meeting when his kid does not attend yes. that school. Yes. Like, what are you doing? I do. It's all virtue signaling. He's just making shit up. I don't get. I don't get all the COVID stuff. I don't get all the anti-mask stuff. It's like, dog, please just shut the fuck up. Uh huh. Anyway, my solution for Democrats peeling off is just don't tell them the number anymore. You know, just don't say three point five trillion. If that's what they're concerned about, they're concerned it's a big package and they don't want to wait on the infrastructure deal also being passed in the House. Just like. Don't tell them. Don't, don't tell do them. It. Lie. Keep it a secret. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't let them know. They don't have to know. You I know. just want to get this passed, bro. Please. There's a lot of good stuff in the reconciliation package, um, and we badly need it. On top of that, the infrastructure deal would also help a lot of people. So, uh, but please. I, I wouldn't be surprised if most, if not all, of the good stuff gets stripped from the yeah. reconciliation bill, considering yeah. that <laughs> Democrats are already peeling off, Democrats and we're just debating amendments. Yeah. And they're already peeling off. So and I, I, I wouldn't be nothing. surprised if it gets lowered to like 2.9 or even lower. Because, mm-hmm. you know, 2.9 to a lot of people is like, oh, well, it's less than three. <laughs> even though <laughs> yeah. it's like whatever. 100%. But no, I, I wouldn't be surprised if most of the climate measures are taken out. Because conservatives sure. have taken a hard line stance on being anti-climate. Oh, yeah. Speaking, speaking of, of climate change. Speaking of climate change. Uh, recently... I think it was last week, the U.N. Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change released a new report detailing how some of the effects of climate change are now inescapable, which I think is something that we basically already knew. But there are ways that we can prevent future disasters, such as weather disasters or droughts or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be moving forward. Um, The report has unequivocal data, demonstrable data, that humans have had a negative impact on the Earth since about... 1750, when we started to industrialize nice. and put pollutants into the, the air. industrial revolution and its consequences. Yeah. Scientists have found that climate disasters are going to continue to happen. Like I said, things like droughts, flooding, heat waves, etc. 
But if every country right now today starts mm-hmm. to reduce or eliminate their emissions, we can slow the effects and protect life on the planet. But that would be if we start right now and do everything right, which we won't. Which we already didn't because yeah. this was last week. Uh, rapid reductions in emissions could limit war- uh, warming of the globe mm-hmm. beyond 2050. But between now and then, we're going to experience more severe weather, more severe heat, things like that. Yeah. Like there's nothing we can do to make it stop immediately. Dealing with climate change is something that takes a long time and isn't usually attractive because short term, probably in our lifetimes, Mm -hmm. we're still going to feel the effects. Yes. The solutions that we propose are to fix the planet for future generations moving forward so we don't cook. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like with climate change, it's such a subtle issue that a lot of people just don't understand. Just to put it in perspective, if the oceans rise one degree Celsius, we will see a complete pH shift and most ocean life will die. Yeah. If it rises one degree, the pH of the ocean will change and most ocean life will die. Like, yeah. come on. We're already starting to see all the coral reefs die off. Not to mention that an increase in global temperatures, even if it's one degree Celsius or more that yeah. we see that could happen, uh, it's going to force a lot of people that live on the coast to move inland. Oh, no, which is going to force. <laughs> ben Shapiro. Yeah. Anyway, it's going to force a lot of people to move inland because sea levels are going to rise. And when you do that, people are going to be closer to borders, which is mm-hmm. going to cause a lot of conflicts between different countries, Oof. especially the United States. Thanks. So lots of stuff to think about. Um, it's it's really it's. <laughs> and also we'll see if you, if you were to see that, if you were to see sea rebels lies, there would be mass immigration. Yeah. And you know how we feel about immigration. Right. And it's going to be at least when it comes to the United States, it's going to be us turning people away that they then have to go back to their homes that is being ravaged by all of the effects of climate change. And like I said, renewable energy technology is very expensive and it's it's a very long-term solution, but it's advanced a lot. And it's gotten to the point where the industrialized nations of the world, places like America, Canada, the United Kingdom, France, all of the countries that are considered first world, Mm Um, all of us can afford to do this kind of thing. In fact, we have to. Yes. We literally have to. There's literally guaranteed return on investment. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but there's no need to rely on natural gas and coal and other Mm -hmm. things like that anymore. Also, to put it in perspective again, fossil fuels are now so deep into the ground that we can only get to them with modern drilling technology. Mm -hmm. Technology, mind you, that we could only develop as a result of the Industrial Revolution – Meaning, if we as a society were to be wiped out or just like back to our primitive society, whatever, we would never be able to have an industrial revolution again. Yep. Because we simply cannot get to the fuel that early societies need to run. Yeah, and not to mention that a lot of this advanced technology that we need to lower our emissions, other countries, poorer countries, or countries that just have a lot of people like China and India, they cannot physically do that with the size of their country. They cannot convert all of their population into renewable energy without the help of the wealthier nations like Mm -hmm. the United States. So this has to be a worldwide solution. And if we don't solve it, we're literally going to die. Literally (laughs) fucked forever, actually. This is probably my most extreme stance on really any issue. But the truth is that if the planet rises five degrees Celsius Mm -hmm. over the next 100 years, which it could, life is literally uninhabitable. We can't. I mean, that is about 41 degrees Fahrenheit. We die. Like, Mm -hmm. Those temperatures are not inhabitable for humans. And if you look at uh, over the summer, I can't remember what country it was. Some country in the Middle East reached temperatures of like 130 degrees Fahrenheit. People were dying of heat exhaustion. 
we're talking about like 170, 180 degree summers. People can't survive. Humans can't survive yeah. in that kind of weather. And if we do nothing about it, we literally won't have a future. And it's like, even if you're a fucking anti-science ass little fucking bitch who's like, oh, rising five degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, what is that going to do? I can fucking 41 degrees it. Fahrenheit, five Celsius. Yeah, five, like, no, you literally cannot handle it because there would be no food for you. Yeah, exactly. You would have no food. You'd have no water. You would literally be fucked and eat shit and die. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I was just talking about the effect of the heat on human bodies. Yeah. There's no telling the effect well there is telling but right now what i'm just trying to the point that i'm mm-hmm. trying to convince is that we do not know or we cannot fathom how difficult it will be to survive and and get all of our other needs met like food like sleep yes. like ensuring that our bodies don't explode like <laughs> there's so much that we have to think about when it comes to this and it's going to take worldwide solutions in order to reach massive it. rises in the sea level oh yeah like, come on people just it's like like california is going to drift into the fucking sea like oh, that's yeah. how bad it yeah, is. Yeah, no facts. <laughs> and like, you know, if you're a more moderate person listening to this, you may say that we're being alarmist. It's like, yeah, there's something yes. to be alarmed about. <laughs> something very much to be alarmed about. And it's like, if you don't pay attention, almost every politician is in the pockets of oil companies, mm-hmm. of natural gas Our companies. Our boy Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is Exxon Mobil. Speaking of Joe Manchin again, did you see? I can't remember what conservative congressmen were talking, but they were talking at like some rally, and they're like, hey. If you wanna, if you wanna be thankful, call up Joe Manchin and thank yep. Joe Manchin. Yep. For protecting so, the filibuster. They're literally making fun of you, Joe. Yeah. They're making fun of you. They're not your friends. Stop voting with them. They don't like you. No. And look, if you want to look at this from an economic, through an economic lens, if the United States starts creating and selling all of the technology to invest in renewable energy for every other country, we're going to make so much money. So That's much a new money, market. Yeah. That is Next. a new market that we could pioneer we if we could, wanted to. In the capitalist terms, we could own this market. Yeah, but here's the thing, is that capitalism is built for short-term profits, not mm-hmm. long-term protection of the human race or just life in general. Yeah. So capitalism is not going to be able to solve systemic issues like climate change. It simply cannot. No, the these, only these way have we, to be publicly funded. Yeah, the only way that we can solve this issue is if we all invest, every, every single country invests in, an, in renewable energies mm-hmm. that will not decimate the planet and life on Earth. That is all we can do. And, cla- and, uh, and capitalism is not equipped to handle that. No, no, not at all. And it's like, One other reason that it needs to go. Well, facts, facts. And it's just, there's just so much fucking stupid idiot rhetoric surrounding this trump at his arizona rally saying no more wind and everybody cheering like what the fuck how <laughs> how dumb are you how'd we get here like did you graduate like come on come on dog <laughs> do, you, do you even know what's happening anymore? do you understand anything it's oh just my God. it's not that hard of an issue but conservatives routinely push rhetoric that is anti-science just in in every aspect anti-climate yeah. change anti-medical science when we talk about things surrounding covid it's like they plant distrust in our scientific institutions of course no one's gonna fucking listen yeah and that is a by the way a key component of fascism is constant denial of science and truth oh, big facts and the reason that's a key component of fascism is because if you can convince the public that what they're seeing isn't real they're going to believe you more often yes and by virtue of that going to be obedient to you and will revolt when you need them to mm-hmm. Keep that in mind when you hear these Republicans talking about that. None of it is because they actually want to help people. All of it's because they want to protect profits and maintain their own power. Yes, and it's it's also just all perpetuated by conservatives adopting facts and logic thanks to Ben Shapiro. Yeah. Like every time, every time I hear like a conservative debate and they even get put on the back foot, they're like, well, these are facts. 
Like yep. I, I have facts on my side. You have you have emotions. I have facts and logic on my side. Yeah. So, so, ben Shapiro. Elder. Ben Shapiro is the whiniest bitch ever. Like he has <laughs> so no facts on his side. Why, sh- why do people listen to him? Like I'm short, so I can make fun of him for being short. You're right, right. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> like he's he is so whiny. He talks about his feelings all the time, especially when he's talking about like social issues. Oh my god. Like when god, he talks yeah. about like the LGBTQ, all of it's just his feelings. None of it is based in reality. Yeah, and dude can't even get his wife wet. Ooh. <laughs> Low blow. It. All right. Well, moving on to <laughs> moving on to a another white supremacist off of Ben Shapiro. We're talking about Tucker. Tucker Woo-hoo. Carlson. Um, so recently, well, not even really recently, but throughout the past year, the census uh, has been collecting data as they do every ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and recently, data has started to be released from the census. Um, and the twenty twenty census found that the white population has not only decreased in proportion, but also decreased in size. Yes. About five million less white people are in the country compared to 2010. Um, this data shows that about that white people make up about 57.8% of the total population, mm-hmm. and a lot of other minority groups have increased their size. Yeah. Um, specifically, uh, Hispanic Americans are more prevalent than they were before. They're just, that's how the Oh, no, demographic shift. Right. Oh, no. Demographic shift. Things that are normal. Um, and, of course, conservatives are losing their shit mm-hmm. because less white people is bad for them. You can figure out why. Uh, Tucker Carlson got on his show and started talking about how white replacement theory is basically real. And if you don't know, (laughs) that's the idea that white people are trying to be or or that minority groups are trying to eradicate white people so that they can, you know, rule the world on their own or whatever. It's it's very conspiratorial. And also that these kinds of theories have been used to uh, perpetuate things like anti-Semitism. It's literally not. White replacement theory spawned from nazism did, did it not yeah r- right because the whole idea behind hitler's ideology was that the jewish people are trying to replace us yes. and the jewish people were defined as not white yeah which exactly. is just another reason why whiteness historically has been so wishy-washy and it's a a very slippery slope yeah because where does it stop it's again irish people not being defined as white when they came over here it's like what is it just white anglo-saxon protestants yeah like, come on. Who are not immigrants who were born in the country. Exactly. Uh, yeah. These kinds of theories, um, especially or even when you talk about in the modern day and like the last 60 years or so, white replacement theory has been used to justify vehemently racist rhetoric and mm-hmm. acts. Um, and you should be able to see right through it. Like, how do you watch this guy and not know that something's up? Exactly. You know what I mean? The whole time he's like arguing with the person he made up in his head. And he's just saying like, um... God fucking I drawn a blank on it, but he's so fucking stupid. I can't with mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm. He's talking the whole time about oh, he pulled up a CNN clip of yeah. I can't remember exactly who the anchors were, but they were saying, Oh, look at who's in Ivanka Trump's office now. It's a person of color, and look who's in, I think, was it Steve Miller's office? It's yeah, another person yeah, of yeah. color. And they're like, Yeah, that's one of us. And it cuts back to Tucker, and Tucker goes <laughs> with stupid puppy dog look, he goes, One of us. What do they mean by that? They don't mean Democrat. One of us. Hmm. What if I were to say that? It's like, yeah, it would be racist if you said that. Yeah, literally. <laughs> like... um, and in that same clip, I remember he started talking about Jennifer Rubin, um, yeah. who was on Twitter saying something along the lines of, we need to prevent white minority rule. It's good that America is becoming more diverse. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with Jennifer Rubin on a lot of things. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's just like some lib. But like nothing in that tweet was inflammatory. Not at but all. then Tucker Carlson said that Democrats want... South America. They want South American apartheid. Yes. 
which is weird because if you know anything about the history of South American apartheid, is that it was the minority white ruling class. South was, African. Oh, South oh African apartheid. I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. South African apartheid um, was that it was the white minority ruling class that was oppressing everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like yeah. he's saying that we need to protect white minority rule. He's South Africa. They want I South Africa. I can't with Tucker Carlson, dude. Yeah. I don't understand why they take him seriously. It's also what's wrong with demographic shift? Nothing. Yeah, no, that's the question they can't answer is yeah. what's wrong with this? Like what's wrong? Oh, dude, no. What's it, the problem? It just harkens back to a lot of them perpetuate colorblind ideology. Yep. yep. Where's your colorblind ideology here now? Yeah, You're literally just whining about there being less white people. Yeah, and he started blaming the loss of 5 million white people on the opioid crisis. Which I thought oh, was like, yeah. I did not understand where he was getting this. He basically said that Big Pharma has been poisoning people, which is true, mm-hmm. and has led to the basically eradication of these 5 million white people, which is yeah. just like demonstrably false. And also, what color are Big Pharma execs? Right. What what, what color are the Sacklers? And what Come color are people that have historically been abused by the medical system? Yeah. It's not white people. It's not like, like that, but I'm pretty sure later on he took it and he tried to link it to fentanyl overdoses and no. immigrants bringing Jeez. drugs over. So yeah. It's his, his, his rhetoric boils down to you. Immigrants are coming over and not only diluting the population, but literally killing white people. And that's why we shouldn't let immigrants in right. here anymore. And we can just disprove this whole idea of the opioid crisis causing uh, white people to disappear. The fact that 5 million white people or 5 million less white people have been found by the census is usually or is probably a result mm-hmm. of the census just having more options for race. Yes. More people are able to identify with the race that accurately describes them because a lot of people are not white only. Facts. Most people are mixed. A lot of people are fucking mixed. Right. And, and historic- we've seen a 300% increase in the mixed population with this new census data. Right. And historically... People have not been able to choose the race that actually aligns with their characteristics. Like in the 2010 census and definitely the ones that have been in years past, people have not been actually able to choose what accurately describes them. But now that they're able to, it's going to account for a loss in Mm -hmm. white only people. Like that's just how data works. What I think is the funniest thing about this whole thing is it's just bringing back the one drop rule. Yep. By him not counting the rise in the mixed population and just pointing to pure white people being diluted and lessening, it's just the one drop rule again. Right. right. If somebody is like a quarter black and three quarters white, yeah. then in previous censuses, they may identify as white only because they didn't have any other option yeah. and have a mixed race option. But now they're going to identify as mixed race because that accurately describes them. That's going to account for a drop off in white only people. Exactly. It doesn't make any sense. And he doesn't consider that person white. No, clearly he doesn't and, consider and that he person. He wouldn't white. have before. No, it's fucking. It's just the one drop rule again. Yeah, yeah, so and that's then fun. and then he went on to say that white people leaving and Dems not caring about it encourages racial division, <laughs> as if he's not on his national broadcast with millions of people listening, saying that they're trying to exterminate white people. Like, come on, <laughs> are you going to say that they're doing the racial division, dog? I hate this guy. Him on his national broadcast talking about what about crime? What about black people committing all this crime, huh? Hmm? What about (laughs) BLM, the angry BLM rioters, Antifa? hmm? Yeah. As if all of his rhetoric isn't clearly racially charged. Oh, yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Um, And then he went on to say, which I think was the natural ending point for his rant, was that white people are the ones being oppressed. 
not any other minority yeah, group. It's the majority is being oppressed. It's, right, which is factually untrue. First of all, white people still make up a majority of the country, so I don't know why he's crying. Mm -hmm. Also, white people are further ahead in society in general on every single metric. Yes. Like, And I have a yes. list here. White um, people tend to inherit more money and capital than other races do. White people have more homes and have homes more often than other races do. White families, on average, hold wealth longer and make more wealth than mm -hmm. other uh, the minority families may. Um, white students make up a majority of the college population still, although that is slowly yes. diversifying. In minority groups, specifically black Americans, are often more targeted by the police, charged with harsher crimes, and make up a larger percentage of the prison population. Mm -hmm. None of this, none of the data, there is no evidence to support the idea that white people are the ones being oppressed in society. Yes. Like, there's no evidence. They're not marginalized. Not and if you're all. a white person feeling like you're marginalized, you're not. Suck, fuck, Get suck over my it. my fucking dick. You're literally suck not. my entire shaft. <laughs> you are Come literally on. not. Um, Tucker ends this, his entire rant, by saying that we shouldn't talk about race anymore. <laughs> you're talking about race that's all he did that's all he did for the past like I think it was like a what six minute segment yeah. or something ah. he got on in front of four million people and said that all this nonsense and then said we shouldn't talk about race anymore got on the on the most popular news channel in the country yeah. mind you like I'm pretty sure Fox News is still literally number one in ratings mm -hmm. when it comes to news yeah yet they complain about being canceled in silence like we are not that far removed from black Americans literally being lynched for the color of their skin. I'm pretty in this sure country. we are, is it four generations? Black Americans today are four generations removed from literal abject poverty. Yeah. Slavery. Yeah. Like four generations. Yeah. Come on. Like it is it is insane to think that he's making these arguments on national TV. This is old school white supremacy. Oh, this is no, what this 100%. is. This is literally like Nazi shit right here. Yeah. This is Nazism. And like oh, I, God. you know, we always want to be careful when comparing people to Nazis because obviously they are, you know, committed yeah, you some don't of the worst crimes in history. Inflate, yeah. And we don't want to uh, devalue yeah. the atrocities. Exactly. We don't want to dilute the meaning of, of Nazism. But this is literal Nazism. Oh, 100. This is literal Nazi rhetoric. This is literally like seeing 1488 in a username, like yeah. those little dog whistles. It's all that that is. It's not even a dog whistle, bro. He's oh, yeah, getting, no. he's it's screaming. A megaphone. He is screaming with the megaphone. It is insane. I cannot believe that I had to watch that. <laughs> All right. Speaking uh, of white supremacy. Speaking of white supremacy, we're on to our last topic. We have a summer bop that recently released. How long ago was it? Not I think three days ago. Three days three ago. Three days um, ago. From this guy named Tom McDonald. If you don't know who he is, he makes very weird, bad political songs. He's a conservative white. He's a white conservative rapper. Yeah, who often is like uh, doing some cultural appropriation like, from black people. If that's not a red flag, white conservative <laughs> rapper, I don't know what it is. Right, so he, he came out with this song called Brainwashed, and the whole tune of the song was that, like, you know, everyone's brainwashed, we're mm -hmm. not focusing on the right issues, whatever. He's got, he's got other songs, notably um, one being, I think it's called Fake Woke, and then that another bad. one that's horrible, <laughs> and then another one titled No Lives Matter, which is just... <laughs> It's this like fourteen year old edgy white kid. Yeah, like, got a if, hold of a mic. If you don't know who he is, I encourage you to go listen to the song real quick before you listen to the segment. We're gonna talk about some of the nonsense. Please that he pirate about. it though. Please pirate it. Oh yeah, it. steal it. <laughs> you're not. You're not giving this dude streaming numbers. Exactly. All right. I have a couple of weird lyrics written down that he mm -hmm. that he said that I wanted to just you know chat about real quick. Uh, the first one is that we only dedicate one day to remember our fallen soldiers, the men and women who died young. But if you come out the closet as Caitlyn Jenner, you're a hero. You get a whole Pride Month. 
First doesn't, doesn't even rhyme. I was about to say, doesn't rhyme. This is a bad bar. Doesn't rhyme. Moving on. I agree I agree with everything else. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, okay, first of all, he says we d- we dedicate one day to remember our fallen soldiers. We dedicate billions to the military mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Every single year. I don't want to hear like, n- anything about this. We, we do treat our veterans like shit. I was but say, I don't yeah. see him addressing that. Right. I don't see him addressing the idea that, shout out to the TikTok I just made, the largest chain pharmacy in Virginia, which has the second highest military population, does not accept the military insurance. Yeah. CVS Tri-care. does not accept TRICARE. Yeah. What, what is that? You know that that's deliberate. Yeah. That is capitalism yeah. functioning there, as it's intended. There's absolutely a point to be made that we do not care about our veterans enough or even soldiers yes. while they're active. Oh, God, no. But why is he using that as justification to put down Pride Month? Thanks. You can. These are separate battles. Yeah, these are separate battles. You can support the veterans while also supporting people's identity and sexuality. Yeah. Like, you can do that. And I, I like the little, the little in-party fighting with Caitlyn Jenner. Yeah, like, come on, bro. It's just another example. What is she doing? Why? You... <laughs> okay, yeah, but like, like we disagree with Caitlyn Jenner on everything. But why would you call out the only yeah, trans woman you know? I don't disagree with her identity. Right. I think exactly. her politics are stupid. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, why are you calling out the only trans person you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> come on, man. Uh, the next one, kind of a short one, but he said, "Don't speak. We don't need to defund the police. Need to defund the media who lies through their teeth." I would love to defund Fox News. I would absolutely yeah. love it. That had me thinking, like, what media does he think is lying? <laughs> is it, like, I mean... I would agree that MSNBC and CNN both lie like I, Fox News I was, do. I was just but... about to say, like, a lot of liberal media lies as well, but he's probably excluding Fox News from well, this conversation. Fox News, OAN, and Newsmax. Right, and the thing is that in this song, he uses recycled Fox News talking exactly. points. And also, those things are funded by taxpayer dollars. And then Those are all private corporations. Right. But then he says we need to defund the media, but not the police. Like, I, like <laughs> he, does, he just doesn't understand why the, the difference between those two things. One is a private entity. Yeah. And the other is a public service that is not serving the public. Yeah, not at all. Come on, dog. Yeah. And I believe that the free press is one of the most important things in a democracy. Yeah. And I agree that we should not be, you know, told lies by just about everybody in the media. Thanks. But I 100 <laughs> percent know that he's not thinking it. the same way. Yes. He's not thinking the same way. Uh, next one is a big critique on Big Pharma. He says Big Pharma doesn't cure you, dog, because every patient that gets cured is a customer lost. And Big Oil runs the world. The only wars that get fought are with the countries that have natural resources they want. Based, Flow is bad. Based anti-capitalist Tom McDonald. Yeah, no, that's literally anti-capitalist rhetoric. Oh, I don't I, exactly. Like, so I, I'd heard that when I was listening to it. I was like, I do not understand where he's gonna go Mm-mm. next. Like, what? What's the point of saying these things? Like, I know you're not a socialist. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure he calls out like he talks shit about socialists not only in this song but in like every other fucking song mm-hmm. that he has. It's like what. So what are, you, what are you bringing up here? Yeah. What's your solution? This part made me feel very weird because I'm yeah. like, okay, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, this, like he's not wrong. And it's like it's an anti-Big Pharma take, anti-really just like capitalist take yeah. from a right winger. But everything else that he talks about in the song directly contradicts that sentiment. Mm-hmm. So I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what he's doing. And the ideology this he subscribes like populism. to. Yeah. The ideology he subscribes to strengthens Big Pharma. The ideology. That he pushes through his music that gets millions of plays. Yeah, like, literally would pop up Big Pharma. Like, so when you hear people like Tucker Carlson or Tom McDonald or any other right winger complain about Big Pharma or any other like uh, capitalist or like um, Silicon Valley, 
yes, and big, big tech. tech. Anytime they complain about these issues, they do nothing oh, yeah. to, to stop yeah, or take yeah. power away from these big companies. They just complain about it. Facts. Or they'll do the socialist thing but say it's capitalism. Yeah. Like this is this is capitalism. And then the like two libertarians in the country will be like, actually, that's not real capitalism. That's corporatism. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next part. Maybe your favorite line. Do you want to do the line? You see it? You want to do the line? <clears throat> white privilege being amplified to reinforce the vision. It convinces white people that they're favored by their skin. It doesn't fucking rhyme, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> and black people getting angry because they're told they're treated different. So the conflict is between us and never with the system. What system? Gap. Tom, what system are you right. talking about? Like, right. And in the previous line, he describes how big pharma is bad, big oil is bad, and these other big companies or uh, big industries yeah. are bad. But then he says the problem isn't with the system. It's literally a part of the system, <laughs> an intentional part of the system. Come on. And it's, dude, no. It's, he's yeah. so fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't understand, bro. I'm trying so hard out here to do my thing, and this dude's got millions of plays on his songs. Yeah, all of the things that he talks about is just, like, culture war, kids are being indoctrinated mm -hmm. type shit mm -hmm. that doesn't actually matter. Or when he talks about issues that do matter, none of his proposed solutions would actually do anything to yeah, solve that. Yeah, because no lives matter. Right. So edgy. So, so cool. Edgy. I don't. cool, dude. I don't get it. I think that this rap song, and all of his rap songs, really, are just a perfect theme song for all conservatives like i think it just matches matches the conservative quote-unquote movement super well and he's just stealing a bunch of people's flows in this song too yeah like oh god when he said um something that he goes he goes and i'll let me try to recreate the cadence of delivery <laughs> it's something about how joe biden eats 100 xanax for dinner it's like you're, <laughs> you're literally just took tyler the creator's flow off of i can't remember exactly which song it was in his mm -hmm. new album but it's like that's just that flow like yeah. come on and then right after that bar he went on to say that censoring the president and kicking him off twitter is worse or like a bigger threat yeah. than foreign ballistic missiles no it's not <laughs> i promise you it's not 100 percent, dude bro how can you equate Losing your Twitter platform and dying from a ballistic missile. Yeah. In, <laughs> like, in one of his insane. other songs, in No Lives Matter, he's got a bar where he says, he's just complaining about people criticizing the president. Oh and then he goes and makes this song. It's literally, how is he equating these two things? I don't get it. It's like to them, losing their ability to talk on Twitter is the same as death. Yeah. Oh, dude. It's no, the same thing. It's just like all those conservative meme pages you see on Instagram that also will repeat like, left-wing economic populist takes mm -hmm. but then just not say it's capitalism that's the right. issue right or no they'll say we need to do something about big pharma but instead of providing a solution that would actually do something against big pharma nationalizing the industry something like that they yep. say so you should take your vitamins yeah take your health into your own hands i'm sorry i can't take my congenital myopathy into my <laughs> own hands like i'm sorry i can't take on the entire apparatus of big pharma by exactly. myself i'm sorry people with cancer and diabetes can't take that on like by themselves yeah and that they need other things to systemic help issues systemic issues require systemic solutions individuals yeah. cannot solve these issues no and when we have <laughs> when we have governments that have the powers to regulate these things yeah. or phase them into the the federal government themselves not doing that is only perpetuating the issue Just straight up unethical oh yeah. my god dude. yeah yeah tom mcdonald good guy Cool guy. Get him on the pod. Cool guy. I Friend of the he, pod. I bet he's an Eminem fan. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> no particular reason Even though he all. doesn't know what Eminem's talking about. Dude, no, and it's like half the time he's using uh like I don't know much about like the AAVE discourse and things yeah. like that. I tend to agree with like people like Hassan Piker, but then again, I'm pretty much just white. Mm -hmm. So my opinion doesn't 
it's kind of uninformed, whatever. But he straight up uses it like half the time. Yeah. And it's like, I know you didn't grow up around this. Mm -hmm. I know you didn't grow up around people who talk about this. Like, what rappers are you listening to, like, under the covers that you've learned this from? Right. And a lot of a lot of rap music is pretty far left. Yeah. Like a lot of it's it's pretty anti-establishment. Right. Very anti-establishment. Anti the powers that be or very just like pro-supporting marginalized communities yes. and that kind of thing or telling the story about how communities have been marginalized obviously it's not the story here mm-hmm. but this dude is just you know grifting and there's also the, the war, conversation to be had that white rappers are a guest in the culture yeah like they are not the culture there are guests in it that's why i've seen like funny distinctions drawn between like jack harlow is not a white rapper i've seen some some people say that because he's just he fits in with the culture but still he is a guest yeah. Tom McDonald wasn't invited. He just crashed the party. Yeah. And then and then his album covers are literally just blackface. Oh my god. <laughs> like you just be stealing their culture just over and over. It's just literally just racist. Yeah, straight up. I'm pretty racist. sure he'll rap about things like 1352. Yeah, it's not even a microaggression. <laughs> it's just a macroaggression. <laughs> he just doesn't care. It just this this song just tells the story of how all conservatives treat all this social is the issues. Conservative mind. This is the neocon mindset. Yeah. Like it's just plain and simple. Go listen to it if you want to understand yeah. what your I don't know, what your racist uncle thinks. Yeah. Lots of logical inconsistencies that we have now debunked. Yeah, so in conclusion, top five rappers have to be Eminem. <laughs> top three rappers gotta be Eminem, Tom McDonald, and I'd say half a logic. Oh, fuck. And that's all for the show today, folks. Yeah, that's a real take from Gage that he actually has. Yep, 100%. Yeah. You know what? You're canceled. canceled. (laughs) Oh, fuck. Fuck me. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed. Remember to become a patron. Uh, Support the show. Leave a review. Don't forget to rate five stars on Apple. Yeah. Share it around a little bit, maybe. And peep the TikTok. Peep the TikTok. Give us us some some watches, because TikTok be fooling us sometimes. You want to see some midweek takes? Yeah, exactly. Peep the TikTok. Exactly. That's free content. Exactly. Free content. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.